0: We have to work together and we have to have that tribe where, hey, you take care of facility, I'll take care of getting some more families involved. Together, we can do amazing things for our kids. And I think we've forgotten that. We just send them off to school and hope for the best. Hey,
1: thanks for listening to We're Momming today.
0: If you're listening on a smart speaker or
1: website, make sure to find me, Lauren Simonetti, on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave me a review. momming today with Maureen O'Shaughnessy, the founder and director of Lead Prep, an innovative micro school for middle and high school students in Washington. Maureen, welcome. Great to be here, Lauren. You know, it's amazing what you're doing because you've been at this innovative solution for educating kids for years. But now because of COVID, you're advising parents and educators nationwide on how they can set up micro schools or learning pods for students if Schools don't open this fall, so I, I guess we should start with what is a micro school.
0: It's just like it sounds; it's a small school, and usually that means more flexible, multi-age, more student and parent involvement. But it's just a small school, like the one-room schoolhouse was a long time ago, like homeschools and small Montessori schools are now. Okay,
1: and why did you start it? Was it back in was it two thousand thirteen
0: yeah, it was the fourth micro school. I'd started one as a teacher, as a school within a school in a large high school. Whenever there's a group of kids that need something and aren't getting it, if we can create a, an option, and usually starting small, that's great. So I created one in the Andes for a mining company. I then saw a need in Washington State for more options to be inclusive of our high schoolers and middle schoolers. And you had a personal issue with one of your daughters, right? That inspired yeah. this, this big move? Yeah. Absolutely. I raised my girls overseas and we came back for high school to have more options because one had jumped a grade, was gifted, impatient, and another had autism and ADHD. And I thought, I need more options than I can get overseas. And we put them through six or seven different models in Washington State. And I just finally helped them graduate early because nothing really was personalized and could just bend a little to help them thrive. So I just wanted to end the pain.
1: But you seem attentive. You know what you're doing. How would a regular parent, like myself, notice if a school was really catering to and, and providing for my children? What are, you what, know, how, how
0: do you gauge that? You know, you can ask any parent of a kid that's not thriving in school and they can tell you exactly what is going on. My kid is bullied. My kid is bored and checked out. My kid is buried with homework. My kid is misgendered. My kid is anxious and depressed. Parents know if their kids are not thriving and school is the biggest part of their day. So we need to demand and collaborate to create options so that kids are successful and that school is humane.
1: While you're your vision and your micro schools have been successful. They've been tailored and um, adjusted to each student. But now we're in a situation where parents are literally ripping their hair out and they just want to get their kid in something to continue learning that's not virtual. Um, How might that weaken the concept of a micro school and the goal of a micro school?
0: I don't think it's going to weaken it. I think we're creating an awareness that we need more options for our kids. And I think it's going to outlast the pandemic. We're also creating parents who are having a voice in education, perhaps for the first time. And I don't think that's going to go away. I think parent and student agency is here to stay and collaboration with schools is long term. So I don't think it's going to weaken the concept. I think that it's going to give it a foothold. Is this then the demise of the traditional school? never we need gazillion options for our kids I just think right now if I'm a ninth grade English teacher with 150 kids and state testing to get prepared for I am kind of tied up in how much I can really see the individual and personalize and for some kids that model works and the varsity sports and being in the musical or in band but for the kids that it doesn't work why don't we keep creating options until all kids are thriving
1: what's the most common question you, you get from parents right now
0: how do I put this together? I have a couple other parents. I really want to make this happen. Where do I start?
1: Okay. How, where, where do we start?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have had info sessions. Um, micro school coalition is, uh, a small group. I started to, to showcase micro schools and to, um, talk about my book that I wrote last summer on how people can start micro school. So I have info sessions that are hour long and free. And I also have a cohort starting next week for seven weeks to really dive in and have synergy and support and lessons to get it going. But you got to find your tribe. You got to be fierce. You got to take action. And there are some really cool other resources out there to help families.
1: What? the the tribe, if you will, how many students are recommended for this concept? And does it differ? Like if you're doing it for um, maybe preschool or, you know, kindergarten, first graders versus middle and high school, how many students would you recommend?
0: You know, the beauty of it is there is no formula and we all know our kids need social engagement and mental health issues are up for our wee ones and for our high schoolers and everybody in between. So it can be dependent on the space you have, the families you're involving, and the theme and the focus can also vary depending on the micro school. So I think you want to have socialization. So you want to have, you know, three or more kids, but it can vary. Our micro school is middle and high and it caps at 30 and we have two campuses. So 30 on each campus. And then we come together on Fridays for service projects when we're not in the pandemic. So 30 is a number. Some people have even bigger micro schools. It doesn't matter though, right? When you say 30, that's, yeah, that's like less than five kids per grade because that's middle and high school.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, so it's small. Okay.
0: Tiny. Um, Yeah. So we are definitely on the micro end of micro schools.
1: And who should do the educating? Should it be the parents that rotate? So therefore, you know, if you're working from home and you're not hosting that learning pod for the day, um, you know, you're, you're freed up and you could rotate those responsibilities or should it be a real educator?
0: You know, again, it's not the shoulds. So I'm consulting with a a Portland pod and the moms are saying, you know what, we feel comfortable because it's kindergarten through second. We feel pretty comfortable with the content, but in every conversation I'm talking equity. So they're thinking, but how can we be available to others? How can we level the playing field? Black life matters, disenfranchised kids. How do we serve? Because we're all agreeing to the same hygiene and health and masks and everything. You know, so they're saying, well, maybe Maybe we will find a high school kid that's graduated and taking a gap to figure things out that's a student of color, or LGBTQ, and have that person in a mask in really engaging and having fun with our kids. So they're going to teach on their own because they feel confident doing that. And they're going to have a young person in adding the energy and adding the fun element.
1: I do want to know more about cost, but we'll get back to that right after this.
0: Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Baier favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We're back on We're Momming Today with a micro-school expert, Maureen O'Shaughnessy. And Maureen, I-, I loved how you were just telling me how parents are realizing that they might have more resources than others to be able to provide a learning environment. If their school is closed down because of COVID. But is there a fee for starting these schools? So it's it's awesome that they're opening them up to everybody saving a spot for someone underprivileged, but how does it mean is there a cost to get into the micro school, and then for the, the running of it?
0: You know, it really depends. If it's more of a homeschool model, a lot of times it's shared labor instead of a cost. If it's a private school like we are, then you have to be accredited. You have to do or we choose to be accredited. Then there are different costs and we're leasing a space. So it depends on how family set it up. Joe Connor has a wonderful resource called getschoolhouse.com. And they actually provide the teacher depending on what the families want. They set it all up. They know the legalities in all the states. And I was talking to him yesterday on equity because that's so big. He just happens to have a fierce young voice for equity, Chelsea Clinton on his board. And they are all about Parents having a voice, and they help set the school up to what the parents want. So there are options from parents going it alone to having Joe help them create their own micro school and provide their teacher.
1: It's amazing when we talk about um, the, the positives and mostly negatives of the coronavirus that education could, if we allow it and and go with it, it could be a positive that we are more attentive to our students' needs, our children's needs, and we might enable them to learn more. I mean, I did a story on homeschooling not too long ago. And um, I, I I was shocked how they they say it's so easy to do. I mean, for me personally, my kids don't listen to me. I can barely read a book to them. But, you know, with the right discipline, um, those students really are advanced. But just I'm struggling to, as a parent, to believe a lot of the experts telling me that I can do it because I have difficulty.
0: You know, that's where you want to be a tribe. And we really need to work together and pull together on this. And like our micro school, we want, we are big on ethnic studies, social justice, outreach. So we're actually reaching out to the Bullet Garden Project in Glassboro, New Jersey, because they are fiercely determined to pivot their award-winning nonprofit that is helping all people have food, access to gardening, and teaching young about gardening, they're pivoting and they are opening a micro school next month. And so we're sharing our resources, we're sharing our infrastructure, our enrollment packet, our know-how. So we have to work together And we have to have that tribe where, hey, you take care of facility, I'll take care of getting some more families involved. Together, we can do amazing things for our kids. And I think we've forgotten that. We just send them off to school and hope for the best. And I'm hoping we'll remember that we are the most important person in our children's lives. We're the ones that know them the best. And we can do this. When you started to do this years ago, what did people who
1: doubted you say to you?
0: Just that it's it's too big. It takes too much money that it's not something that venture capitalists will ever want to get in into because it's not a quick, easy buck. So there were just a lot of people that it's like, this is really hard work. It, I don't think it's going to stick. Yeah. And what do you want to say to them now? That, you know, it's that starfish story. You know, there are tons of kids. 20% of our kids in Washington State aren't graduating. 30% if they're a student of color. Higher if they have special needs. I can't save them all. But that starfish story is I can throw one starfish back in the water. I can throw another. I have kids who have thrived at lead prep and are out there making a difference and shining it out to other kids. That's all I can do. And that's enough.
1: Yeah. Um, If if a parent or an educator or a community wants more information, how can they get in touch with you or just find that information?
0: Yeah, you know, microschoolcoalition.com is where I have my book and more information on our free info sessions. Educationevolution.org is my podcast that has cool ideas for parents and teachers and interviews a lot of great people that are doing neat things for kids or... Leadership Preparatory Academy, leadprep.org. Those are three ways to grab me.
1: So, oh, I had a question. So you've seen a lot of your students go on, go off to college. Have they gotten into, uh, I don't know if I should use the word better universities as a result or maybe
0: better fits for them, but I mean, can you describe your success rate? Yeah, we have 100% graduation. And that's usually, like this year, it was five kids. So it's not a huge number, but our kids all graduate because we personalize and are there for them. And I think because we get to know their strengths and they get to really understand how they best learn, they're going off to the appropriate fit for them. Like there's a, a college in BC that is a uh, Quest, and it's really more one class at a time cohort. You do all of your English, and then four weeks later, you move on and all do your science. You know, it's really much more humane and group-focused, and the student that is accepted and, and going there perhaps in the fall, we're waiting to see how that plays out or if kids are taking a gap year, is a perfect fit for him. So it's not just like, oh, my brother did this or I should go there. It's like, what will work for me? Maybe it's community college, which really sees kids a lot more than a lot of our big colleges where profs are also having to publish and do research and all of that. So I think our kids are finding the right next step instead of just Groping for something after high school, but
1: you know, critics say you know there's a mold, um, there's a, a format, a formula we use with how we educate, um, and every student should fit into that mold, and the ones that do best to get the A pluses, and you know, the ones that that don't do well, they they fail and whatever, they don't make it in life. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, um, but those <laughs> critics would say that concepts like yours teaches kids that no matter what they do is fine that they don't have to strive to fit in the mold and get the A plus
0: you know as adults we don't fit in the mold my best friend is 12 years older than me not within my 12 month cohort that i go through school with you know so that mold never exists again you go to a community college and you see 16 year olds and you see 60 year olds that is so artificial that's an assembly line child-as-widget mold that's over 100 years old. And it's not true. And our school, actually, we do not accept missing work. We do not accept zeros. We do not accept less than 80%. So we are actually more fierce than the traditional model that's sink or swim. But we're there to help them show their mastery and move on and and demonstrate that they have the competencies. So ours is not less than, it is different. And who says every kid that's been alive 12 years and six months should be at this level in math, this level socially, this level in all of their academics. That is so artificial. That's the industrial era. And we left that behind so long ago. It's tragic that we haven't left that behind in education. You have your finger on the pulse of
1: the changes that are going on right now. How big do you expect the idea of micro schooling to become in the next two years?
0: You know, it's really up to the parents. They're going to have to fight for change. We have uh, one of our micro schools in a wonderful school district that has a ton of choice schools that are small, like one sixth grade, one seventh, one eighth, and they have a theme base to them. Maybe it's hands on or environmental. That choice school system always has waiting lists of hundreds of kids and has a lottery system and parents are like desperate for their kids to get in. If parents are like, no, we demand more of these. We demand schools within schools where our kids can do these different themes. We demand public schools adjust. We demand you take away the state testing. You give our teachers less students so they can have more quality. We demand some shifts out of this assembly line mentality. It's going to take parents. It's going to take policy change because our educators in public education are handcuffed by so many things. Teaching to tests, that really did away with multi-age and creative learning when no child left behind said, everybody's going to pass this test and then they'll be successful. And it's not true. So parents have to help us change policy so that we have equity and so that all students are thriving. Well said. And we'll end it there. Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Lauren.